This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We are back with more Real Presence Live. I'm Brad Gray. And And I'm Ginny Bitson, and it's just been a fantastic morning. I mean, a lot of deep talking mm-hmm. topics, deep discussion, but um, just a real reality check yeah. on, on our roles as as faith-filled Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And the reality that God is with us at every moment and every occasion. Absolutely. Um, it's, been, it's been great. So now we want to turn our attention to um, some questions regarding the, the uh, coronavirus, the vaccine development, the ethical standards surrounding that. And so we have our uh, our... Authority on Father Tad Poholchek from the National Catholic Bioethics Center is on with us this morning. Good morning to you, Father Tad. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Janine. Oh, good morning. Can you uh, tell our uh, listening audience a little bit about yourself, Father Tad? I uh, work as the Director of Education at the National Catholic Bioethics Center. And the National Catholic Bioethics Center is it's a kind of think tank. We're based in Philadelphia. We work closely with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, we work with a number of Catholic hospitals and healthcare systems, uh, and you know we're sort of positioned in such a way that we're dealing with a lot of these medical ethics and bioethics questions mm-hmm. that are so current uh, in you know on the radar these days. You know, Father, one of the things that I, I would love to be able to let our listeners know about is um, the resource that you provide at the NCBC. For just the average, you know, hoi polloi layperson, my daughter, uh, Mary Trez, is 23, and uh, two years ago her boyfriend was killed in a car accident, um, tragically, but he was in a coma for a few days afterwards, and she was getting a lot of conflicting messages about, you know, the the moral uh, legitimacy of organ donation and those sorts of things, and uh, it was it was leaving her in the midst of a very difficult time, very conflicted internally about what she can and can't do. And she was able to contact the National Catholic Bioethics Center to try to talk through some of the issues, right? So that's a that's a, a resource that you offer there? That's correct. We offer a free consultation service. And uh, we do something like 2,000 consultations per year. Mm. And uh, listeners can go to our website, which is n. CB Center, that's National Catholic Bioethics Center, so ncbcenter.org, and uh, there's a drop-down menu, and you can either call us uh, and leave a a voicemail or send us an email. All that information is on our website, and we try to get back to you within uh, one week, and if it's something more urgent, you know, let us know and we can get back to you sooner uh, on that. So, you know, it is a, a very helpful resource, I think, to a lot of people. We have a different ethicist, a uh, different staff ethicist on duty each day, and uh, people call in and, you know, we'll find out some of these details about these bioethical matters that they've heard something about, but they're not really clear mm-hmm. or certain what it is that the Church teaches. Oh, well, that that's such a wonderful resource, and... And, and a much-needed resource, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in any day in history, but especially, you know, now when you yeah. look at uh, the dignity of life and mm-hmm. and how it, it's just been minimalized in so many ways. Uh, but, you know, 
let's ask, we're going to ask you about vaccinations again, though. And can you tell us about the push to create a new vaccine to combat COVID-19? I know it's on the hearts and minds of a lot of people, you know, about this vaccine. We're hungry for it. We're desiring it. But yet in the same token, hopefully it's being done in the proper way, in an ethically, you know, proper way. Right. I think uh, the desire for a vaccine is is pretty intense these days after all the lockdowns. And now we have these spikes that are occurring regionally and people are realizing that the COVID-19 is something that's going to be here probably for a while. It seems to be very infective, very able to transmit from person to person as respiratory ailments tend to be. And so people are realizing that uh, you know, a vaccine is indeed quite urgent. So that's good and bad. I mean, when you have urgency, this will mean certain things get prioritized. Mm. And that means you'll get, for example, government support in various ways. It means that you'll have pharmaceutical, big pharma, you know, lining up to uh, pursue this even though in the past, you know, the development of certain vaccines may not have been a highly profitable mm-hmm. venture for some of those companies. But I think they're realizing that in the face of this one, uh, this threat, that it is likely to be, you know, not only profitable, but also whoever ends up winning the race to produce a vaccine uh, it's going to, they're going to garner a lot of attention mm-hmm. uh, in in terms of, you know, just recognition for their company. So this is a, it's a big deal. I think there's a lot of pressure. And uh, the trick here, I think, is to have this process take place in a way that is ordered, that is sensible, that is ethical, and uh, there are some questions, you know, on that front mm-hmm. that that pop up in terms of can we do this in a fashion that will be, yes, fast, but not cutting any ethical corners. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where, you know, there's some interesting questions that, that, uh, that, that really merit attention. I mean, I think it's worth also saying that when we talk about vaccine development, even when there is a great urgency to it, the reality is that most vaccines take about 10 years Mm. to develop. Mm. In other words, you know, companies will go down this path, they will start some testing, they'll realize that the particular vaccine that they just invented doesn't work particularly well, or maybe there will be some side effects that they weren't anticipating, et cetera. So it, it's a complicated process that does take time. And everybody here is, you know, now saying, well, let, let's get this by the new year. Let's have something widely available. And that is incredibly ambitious. Mm. And I would be very surprised if it turns out that that actually occurs. Now, there are at least three um, vaccines currently in clinical trials. So this has, you know, definitely moved faster than older vaccine development. But even with that being said, you know, the uh, clinical trials often fail. 
And uh, it'll be very interesting to see whether any of these trials do pan out. Altogether, my understanding is that there is close to 100 different groups that are working right now on a COVID-19 vaccine. Mm, wow. So it's a lot. I mean, and with that many players, I'd say the chances of something being successful do go up. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's not just happening in the United States, it's worldwide. You know, there's a lot of things going on in France, in China, in Italy. I mean, there's a lot of, like you say, a lot of players, not just, you know, 100 players, but they're, it's worldwide, yeah. uh, being a worldwide pandemic. Worldwide. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And, and uh, the Chinese, you mentioned them, they definitely have something in the pipeline. And also, uh, I believe it's either Oxford University or the University of Cambridge, I forget which one, in England, they have something that is quite far along as well. So definitely an international endeavor. And, you know, the way science works now, there's a lot of crosstalk, collaboration, and things that would happen overseas can, you know, very quickly impact the direction of research in other countries, including in the United States. So the hope here would be that wherever some of the initial positive results start coming, that that can also affect subsequent development decisions by some of these companies. Father, I um, I want to, in a moment, get into the, the question of, you know, means of development of the, the vaccine, which I think can be obviously something that we could be very concerned about. But before we could do that, I'm, I'm curious, as you're talking about the kind of the accelerated the, the urgency of having this vaccine out, have it by the end of the year. And um, you had mentioned how heavily invested companies are in having something, being the first one to the, the finish line with this thing. Um, even, even if something is created that, that has some level of effectiveness, um, there can't possibly be any long-term studies on the results of this if something comes out by the end of the year, right? I mean, so you can know the different ingredients and perhaps some of the long-term ingredients, but how they interact with one another and how they interact with other medications people might be taking and that sort of thing. I mean, isn't there a little bit of a, a risky element there where, you know, as you said, ordinarily it's 10 years and then you have some ability to assess what are long-term effects of these things, right? How does that all work? Well, I think that's correct. Uh, the initial efforts to produce a vaccine do require that you administer the vaccine and do some testing on large groups. And those groups ideally will be close to 100,000 people. Okay. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes they'll do the safety testing on smaller groups. And if they don't see anything that looks like a problem, they'll you know move ahead to the next steps in terms of testing for whether it actually works. Because, I mean, the first thing you do is the safety test. And uh, you can do some of that in animals. Uh, There's a certain amount of testing that's possible there, but then you do have to move into humans. So I think those tests are going to be very important. And the question of, you know, how, how large those studies will be that will be important to determining what you're asking about, Mm -hmm. which is, is there a likelihood that there's going to be a problem further down the line? The larger the initial tests are, the more confident you get in the results that you obtain. And the smaller those tests are, smaller number of participants, 
then, you know, there is more risk Mm -hmm. associated with this. So, uh, you know, you have a little bit of a guinea pig situation here that you're starting out with. And because you're trying to get to a vaccine quickly, there may be a temptation to use a smaller number of people in some of those initial safety studies. And so it's hard to judge exactly where the cutoff is going to be and whether there might, in fact, be some complications that arise later. Awesome. Well, let's, we're going to step away for just a quick minute here, and then we want to come back, and I want to deal into, go into the question of the means of the development of some of these vaccines and what we as Catholics need to know about that sort of thing. Yeah. So uh, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute with more Real Presence Live. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain today, we've all experienced some kind of loss, especially the death of a loved one. There's an opportunity for us to still help them, however, and I invite you to please visit our website, suicideandhope.com. If you have lost someone tragically, please enter their name. You do not have to put their full name. You can put initials or a first name or even a nickname. But I will personally pray for each and every person whose name is entered onto that website in memorial. I will also say a mass every month for these people, imploring God's mercy upon the salvation of their soul. So there is no obligation, there is no cost. All we ask is that you bring your heart and the love that you have for your loved one to our site, list them there, and allow us to pray for them. Again, suicideandhope.com. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible. And we hope the future brings you here, close to home at mountmarty.edu. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And we're back. We're continuing on with our conversation with Father Tad Paholchek regarding the vaccination efforts uh, with regard to covid um, Father, before we went to break, we were just beginning to talk about um, the way the, the push to develop the vaccinations. Um, but can we can we talk a little bit about how we as Catholics, um, you know, what we need to know and what we need to be concerned about with regard to the means of the development of the vaccinations that are that are um, you know being researched right now? 
Yeah, I, I think there's several uh, concerns of an ethical sort that it's good for Catholics to be aware of. One of them is that there is a lot of discussion and questions around doing uh, a challenge trial approach. In other words, rather than giving the vaccine to a whole bunch of uninfected people and sort of waiting around until they catch COVID-19, you would actually uh, select some people and give them COVID-19 at the same time that you give them the vaccine and then track them and follow them. (coughs) Excuse me. And the way that they would um, administer the vaccine, my understanding is they would have a kind of nasal droplet, you know, that you would breathe in and become infected that way. Hmm. And they're suggesting this for young people, you know, maybe between 20 and 25 years of age, uh, because they have stronger immune systems, they're less likely to see uh, kind of catastrophic outcomes, etc. But there's a lot of ethical debate around this, and I think legitimately so. When you don't have a treatment, a backup treatment available, then this really does pose some risk. And, you know, let's imagine that you've got 500 or 1,000 volunteers who said, yeah, I'm willing to be infected, and they're all young and healthy, and two of them die. You know, what do you tell their family? I mean, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a problem, I think, ethically. Now, it's not intrinsically unethical to take a risk with your own life, uh, and I think people could volunteer to do this, but you really want to be sure that that they understood that this is not risk-free. And I think sometimes young people who volunteer for these things imagine that they really are bulletproof mm-hmm. and they'll never die. And uh, there is a chance, and th- there seems to be a, a growing tendency of more young people ending up in our hospitals in recent days from COVID-19. So that I'm not sure if that's related to some mutations in the virus or what, but uh, again, it's not a risk-free proposal, and it would be super, super important for uh, researchers to be clear about that before they sought out volunteers. So that's you know one area of ethical concern. Another area is the whole area of what cells are you going to use to produce your vaccine. Because some of the vaccines that you produce do require a kind of substrate cell to grow the grow the uh, vaccine for you, and some of those cells are cell lines that came from abortions that happened many decades ago. Mm-hmm. So there are at least three different, three or four actually different cell lines. One of them uh, originated from an abortion that happened in Sweden in 1962. Uh, Another one came from the lungs of a 14-week-old baby that was aborted in England back in 1966. Uh, Another one came from a 1985 abortion. So, you know, these have a a kind of historical connection to an abortion that happened a long time ago, and these cells have now been cultivated, grown in various labs around the world, and some of these cells are used rather commonly Mm -hmm. in research. So
So the issue here is, shouldn't pharmaceutical companies be looking for alternatives to these cell lines from abortions and preferentially using those alternatives? And there are many alternatives out there. Uh, There are cells that come from hamsters, uh, from insects, from mice, from monkeys, etc. So you do have other options, Mm -hmm. and I think it's important for Catholics to be aware of that, and to the extent that we have influence over researchers to encourage them not to use cell lines that come from human abortions. So, so, Father, in moral theology, we talk about various levels of cooperation in an evil. You have formal cooperation, material cooperation, and so on. How do we as Catholics view that sort of thing then? You know, what, what is our response to a vaccine that's been created by using one of these? Well, it, it doesn't involve cooperation. Let's say you go to your doctor and you've got your child with you and the doc says, hey, it's time to give your child this pediatric vaccine, uh, and it turns out that that's the only formulation for a particular vaccine, and it came from cell lines from an abortion. Uh, Are you allowed to use that vaccine for your child? The short answer is, yes, you are. Uh, This was, this question was posed to the Vatican, which did a, you know, close review of the question, and Uh, If there are no alternatives, you are permitted to do this, but the Vatican said, look, it's important uh, to understand that when you vaccinate your child or your baby, you are not cooperating with the original abortion that happened in 1966, Mm -hmm. of course, because, you know, that was, that's over and done with, and Mm -hmm. those abortions were done generally for other reasons, not for the purposes of getting cells to make vaccines. So you're not cooperating in that original abortion. Uh, but the, the, Vat- the Vatican also emphasized here, it's important for us as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, to register our disapproval. So if you do get a vaccine like this, you should write to the manufacturer or send them an email or give them a phone call and say, look, you know, why did you guys formulate it this way? You should reformulate your vaccine in a different cell line that didn't come from an abortion. Mm. That's part of our duty to give witness uh, and to enlighten consciences around these important questions. So uh, it is possible to use these vaccines if there's no alternative, but, you know, with it should be done under protest. Sure. Um, with all the incredible advances that have gone on with stem cells, um, not embryonic stem cells, but with adult, you know, stem cells. Are there any lines in vaccinations that are being used in that, or being done in that way? Uh, yes. Uh, it, it, the, the discussion here actually does not rely on stem cells at all. It relies on mm. cell lines. Mm. Stem cells are a different type of cell, uh, and I think people often, you know, mix these up and they say, oh, there's embryonic stem cells in some vaccines. That's false. Uh, there are no embryonic stem cells, but there are cells that may have come from fetuses or, you know, young babies that were aborted, uh, and those are not stem cells. 
So anyway, that's just an important mm. point to keep in mind. And I think your broader question here is, are they developing some COVID-19 vaccines using cells that do not come from abortions? And the answer is definitely yes. Mm. There are many of those hundred companies that we were talking about in the first part of the show. Most of them are using cell lines that do not rely on abortion. Oh, that's so really that's good. encouraging. Yes. yes, that is. Well, Father, we're coming to the end here. We have 30 seconds left. Any final words or thoughts for us? Well, I think that this is an opportunity for all of us as Catholics to, you know, follow these debates more closely mm-hmm. and to have some active discussions and say, ethics really does matter mm-hmm. to right. science. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for uh, really throwing a light on this whole question, because I think it's something that most of us feel really ill-equipped to analyze. So it's been fantastic. Well, great to be with you. Thanks so much, and glad we could uh, parse some of these complicated issues. Yeah, thank you so much, Father Tad. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've come to the end of this show, but this is not to be the final show for Real Presence Lives. No, it certainly isn't, Brad. You know, we had a great show today filled with some hard-hitting guests. And tomorrow we've got a couple more hard-hitters. One is uh, more of a, a physical type there, Mike Randolph. He's a hockey coach at East High School, talking about living out his faith in the hockey arena. should get my pun there. <laughs> I got, I got a little it. check okay. yeah. on Exactly. There you go. Okay. Well, we just had to have the whole check on <laughs> There you go. It'll also be a Straight Talk with Father Richard Kuntz. That's your chance to call in with any question you might have. That'll be at 9.30 Central Time tomorrow. And also, you won't want to miss our interview with Bishop-elect Michael Malloy of the Diocese of Duluth because it's your chance to meet the next bishop of the Diocese of Duluth. Tomorrow's show hosted, of course, by Father Richard Kunst and Cindy Jennings coming to you from St. James Church in Duluth, Minnesota. You don't want to miss it. It's coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on The Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. Love it. Thank you, Eli. Yeah, yeah. What a what a blessing it is to be part of Real Presence Radio. Yeah, and yeah. I just can't thank our listeners enough for joining us this morning. We did have a lot of hard-hitting issues. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just uh, God is so incredible. Well, Uh, I think it's wonderful to have uh, guests like we had Father Tad Poholchek right now where most of us, you know, we don't really know what what to think about these things. You know, we know that there are are kind of um, questionable, uh, uh, you know, origins for some of these things. And so what does that mean for me as a Catholic? I want to be faithful to Jesus Christ. I want to live out my faith in every aspect of my life in all the ways that he's calling me to, but what does that look like concretely in a world where you might only have this or that available? You know, So I think it's helpful to have the ability to, to analyze that instead of being left on our own to figure it out. Right, right. And, and it is, it is a, a world that, uh, again, how we opened our show and the devil with his deceit and diversion and discouragement and yeah. all the things he throws at us, but there's so much hope. Yeah. And and that is another hope in this vaccine for COVID-19. Yeah. There's a lot of hopefulness. There's a lot of good ingenuity and uh, guided by the hands of God. But we need to make sure that the people who are in the process of doing this um, understand that they need to be guided by the hands of God. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, it's just wonderful to know that God is is guiding us, is enlightening us, is loving us, is calling us into His love at every moment. So let's just uh, give glory to the Lord as we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, glory be to the Father, Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without, without end. end. Amen. amen. God bless you all. We look forward to being with you next time. Amen.
This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.